Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. So jumping right into our first segment, Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that have happened in the past month? Thanks, Aditi, and and a strong welcome to all of our listeners. Um, Yeah, look, it's been another action-packed period of time. So a couple of things. I should say more than a couple of things. I always say a couple of things and then end up listing 20 things. But the selection of different issues, articles that I've noticed, a few things really jumped out. So the first one was just the ongoing news about market growth and a bit more focus in terms of sustainable bonds connected to emerging markets and the prevalence and expansion and rapid growth across those, which I think is a, I think is a good thing. We're seeing some articles more about stronger ranked ESG companies receive market premiums again on bonds and there's more and more research around equity. So again, I think we already sort of know that sustainability is getting priced more and more into bonds, loans and, and equity. And I guess check out for more and more research coming out on those things, which I, I guess is a good thing and hoping to promote sustainability, sustainable practices uh, over time. There's an interesting article I saw about the social bond market being under threat I think that was a, an urge from, from HSBC sort of saying, hey, what else can we fund under the social banner? But what I would say is, look, we as a firm do lots of work in social more under the banner of sustainability, so green and social. I think the part of the market that's purely just social from a use of proceeds perspective has really gone through a big boom the last couple of years, COVID enhanced, COVID generated, and now it's more stabilising. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily under threat, but more bonds being done under a sustainability banner and, and really I'd say just some more stabilisation after significant growth the last couple of years. But the good thing about social is it's not just use of proceeds, more and more aspects of KPIs and targets getting done in the market on linked instruments connected to social. So that's a really good thing. Um, we're seeing a lot more, and I'm sure this will come up at DZ when you go through the transaction selection uh, for this month, a lot more participation in the ESG space, sustainability space, sustainable finance space for private equity. Um, So some articles about how they're using ESG ratings, how they're scoring um, investees, how they're supporting a lot more investees to get active in in labelled transactions across these markets. So that's a really good thing to see. Lots of different articles too about the whole issue around around Ukraine um, and the conflict that's going on over there. And I think what it'll happen, again, there's no real silver lining to a war, and I wouldn't say that there ever is, but hopefully at least one thing, and we may have mentioned this on the podcast last time, that it shouldn't undermine a green transition. Um, hopefully it accelerates. So as the world, you know, energy security becomes a greater issue. What's a good way to hit energy security? What's a good way to source cheap power? It's all leading to supporting more more renewable. So hopefully there'll be an accelerated push rather than a reversal of that. But let's see what happens. And again, our thoughts are with folks in that part of the world. Environmental finance talked more and more about sovereigns and the prevalence of sovereign issuances um, in this space. And again, post COP22, that's no great surprise. And I think in the business we have and what we see and the conversations we're having, we'll see that continue to extend. 
Um, what else have we got here? A little bit more interest across what I'd say sustainable securitization. So securitization that's labeled generally as green. Um, however, no reason why, and I think we have seen even in the market, some SME loans being bundled together and then securitized more on the social side. So I think a lot more structured transactions are coming to market and securitization is pretty complicated, but certainly can be done. And us as a firm have worked on all sorts of securitizations for electric vehicles, solar assets, and different types of um, more green mortgages and all sorts of things, which hopefully we'll continue to see. Um, a little bit more on just transition. And again, a reminder for our listeners, probably the best framework that we've seen on what is just transition, how do we consider it, how do we look at it, would be in the World Benchmarking Alliance um, document and framework on just transition. So do check that out. But really articles talking about the role of banks to support just transition, banks to support the energy transition, but also really in emerging markets and, and to do that in an equitable way and be pushing their customers to consider really the people side of, of climate impacts and the people side of, of, of transitioning to a low carbon economy. So just transition continues to be an issue. Social bonds, again, on the agenda a little bit around, I guess, gender, around race, really coming to the fore. And I think we're going to see a lot more um, in that. We participated in a recent ICLA event around gender being connected to sustainability bonds or, or linked bonds. We are seeing that as a key theme come forward. And I think more and more that'll start to move to um, to race, to LGBT and to other types of of areas, which is a great thing to further diversify the market into different really important thematics and projects. Um, the standard set of articles at Didi, we continue to see around greenwashing and, and all those challenges. Again, not unheard of these type of criticisms in a fast growing market. I think that's okay. It's a good thing as long as those criticisms are nuanced. Often they're not. They just take a very high level shot at something, look under the issue, challenge the underlying issue rather than the headline. I think that would be a better way um, to do that. But a fair bit going on in Europe in terms of some different regulatory bodies, how they want to regulate some of these claims a bit more companies are making. And I think that's a good thing. Scrutiny is a good thing, as we always say. Environmental finance, a bit of a feature around big pharma going green. Um, so what we've seen recently, I mean, Amgen, which we mentioned on the last podcast, doing a sustainability bond, um, Pfizer and to market last year. So some real social thematics um, around that. And we're even seeing a lot on the like, companies like Sanofi, Tiva on the um, on the link side as well. So really good to see pharma coming in green and then more and more social aspects of what they do and generics and emerging markets and underserved markets and populations. And I think that's a really good thing. Probably some of our listeners have seen something called a rhino bond. You're probably thinking, what on earth is a rhino bond? So again, to, just to highlight this one as a, as a different instrument versus the normal social bond. So rhino bonds are really a social impact bond where basically there's a, there's a pay, uh, pay for success factor as, as part of that. So generally a government might want to outsource, in this case, conservation work. Then the, the party organising that conservation, they think they can do that in a more progressive way than a government. They raise some money. Then if the targets are met, that's when the pay for success comes into. Then the investors will get a, a big payout because the government has paid an extra amount to that company to deal with some of these really challenging issues. So it's just a different way generally of, of financing things like conservation, recidivism in the UK has been financed that way. But again, not your general use of proceeds bond, 
but basically raising money for investors and then if that can, company can deliver an outcome generally to a government or another party, um, then the investors get a bit of a payout. But if the targets are not met, you, you don't get much of a payout at all, if, if, if any. So a different type of instrument, but we thought we'd just mention that because Rhino Bond, super cool idea and different way of financing uh, impact at the end of the day and who picks up the can for that if it's not done. Again, a little bit more um, structured versus the normal social bonds. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Science-based target initiative, again, really, really good information. They've recently come out with their cement public consultation. They've also done a very extensive update for how financial institutions can set uh, science-based targets and get those approved. So we'd um, encourage everyone to check that out. For those who haven't seen, Europe continues to be busy. The social taxonomy report was uh, was released and that requires a couple of reads. It's, it's not as intuitive as the, the green side of things, which again is more scientific based. On the social side, it's more norms based or international best practice sort of based. There's objectives around decent work, adequate living standards, well-being, sustainable communities, and trying to define what activities to avoid, what activities to grow, what activities have do no significant harm across a minimum set of social safeguards. So I probably haven't done it justice to try and explain that report, but social, even though we mentioned before under a little bit of pressure on some of the volume, still a very, very important part of this market. And I think it's great that at least we're seeing in the EU some real attempts to define that in a bit more detail, put it in a taxonomy, put it in some more than principles-based because I think that will support market growth. So if anyone hasn't um, seen that, check it out and have a bit of a look at least at the objectives and start start to think about the way they're framing that together, although much more details or meat to be put on the, on the bones there. So a couple of other things, ACT, which are a group um, based in France, transition uh, methodology around adaptation, check that one out. Um, CBI's latest report on green bond pricing and, and greeniums is well worth a read. CBI or Climate Bond Initiative have been super busy, um, also released about a 10-pager on taxonomies and the construction of taxonomies and what are good things to look at as more and more companies sprout out with um, taxonomies. So have a check on that one. And a couple of other reports, TNFD, Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, launched, launched their beta document. Really, really super good read in terms of biodiversity and, and how much is not accounted for, what a disclosure framework should look like, should encompass, and we'll see more KPIs come under that and in that as biodiversity gets integrated into more sustainable finance going forward. But that is absolutely well worth a read, our TNFD launch on their beta framework. GRI also came out with a sector standard for coal. So check that out if you've got customers in the coal sector, some really good thoughts about how to transition away from coal, how to account for social impacts, how to look at broader sets of issues around biodiversity, um, soil pollution, water. Check that one out. IPCC, since we've done the last podcast, the DD has come out with more reports. I think we know the tone of those. We're not doing enough. We're not doing fast enough. The science is clearer. Let's get a move on. So that really underpins more of what we're trying to do in these um, markets, which is good. And then just a, a quick plug also for environmental finance release, the free sustainability linked bond and loan metrics uh, report, which you can check out and had some good figures around how many deals and percentage of deals had just one KPI versus two KPI. Most deals still GHG based, a little bit on the social side and a little bit on the other environmental. So super good report to, to check out, which should be on their um, website or other, um, other things. So yeah, pretty busy time. 
pretty busy time and a very interesting roundup. Thanks, Nick. So moving to the next segment, and we see SLBs dominating more and more. So uh, any interesting SLBs to highlight over the month? Yeah, a couple of things to mention. And as those or avid listeners of our podcast, which is hopefully growing our tribe, so thanks to everyone who continues to download and listen to us. We really swapped our order around and really wanted to highlight more of the links up front so we don't run out of time once we go through some of the more formulaic green types of transactions. But on the SLB, absolutely, Aditya continues to be a key hottest part of the market in terms of growth. Chile, one of the first sovereigns, or I believe the first sovereign, to come to market in a sustainability-linked format for their sovereign bond. I think we'll hopefully see more in those formats. Figuring out what are the best KPIs to use for countries is a little bit more difficult than a, a, a standalone company as such. Chile was focusing on GHG emissions and renewable generation and those type of things. And I think that was a really good example of how sovereigns can participate in the link space as well. Uh, there was a couple or at least one notable utility, CEZ, we call that CES, which is a utility based in Czech. Um, and again, focusing on GHG emissions and intensity per megawatt hour, which is pretty common for that type of industry. Um, a little bit on the property side, A2A did a linked bond, again, looking at scope one, scope two emissions. Um, Spark New Zealand on the utility side went to market. Um, EQT picking up that point about private equity uh, funds, if not at investee level, at fund level, and applying a bit of a portfolio lens as to where they're going to direct money and what that's going to cover. Carrefour went to market again, I think the second time after last year, focusing on various um, various things there. And then we also saw another company come to market, Atrium Jungberg. I'm sure I have said that totally wrong again. Apologies for our friends in the, in the Nordics cringing at my accent there. That was an interesting deal because it had a couple of different types of KPIs. Again, climate neutral construction projects, reduced climate footprint. There was an index referenced in there about our city index for social sustainability. So again, using an external index, sometimes they can work, sometimes they, they don't work. And then some supplier reviews which can work too if supplies are being held to a certain standard. So a couple of different types of, of KPIs we're seeing grow there. So do check that one out. Uh, we saw an airport go to market, Aeroporto Nuro del Centro Norte. Goodness gracious. So um, an airport going to market, actually no scope three or not much mention of scope three. So that's obviously a key issue for ports and airports as it is for many companies. So check that one out and we'll leave that to the in the eye of the beholder as to whether that issue was covered off in enough detail. But look, in strategic infrastructure is great that they're participating in the market. Um, L'Oreal, um, for those who use their products, maybe I should start using some of those products as I age, hopefully gracefully, but I don't think very gracefully. So some interesting products around, not products, I should say, some KPIs um, around recycling, around scope one, two, and three, which is great to see, and packaging and those type of things. So, so really good to see those um, consumer companies getting on board the sustainability link train, shall we say. As I mentioned before, the environmental finance report around linked instruments is a very good read. The other one that's a very good read in the market too is by the Luxembourg Exchange. So if you search Luxembourg Exchange, sustainability link bonds, there's an assessment, a report overall that tables some of the recent bonds that have been done to market metrics, types of KPIs. Um, and it's a really good read, so I'd recommend checking that out. A little bit more action, a couple of names on the property segment, and that sort of rounds out more of the, the bond side. Great. Thanks, Nick. So moving to the sustainability-linked loans market, any interesting transactions to highlight over the month? 
A couple of things. So, I mean, property, again, continues to, to underpin a lot of these markets. We know why, because property often contributes 40, 50% of a city's emissions. The investment in property as urbanisation grows is huge. So that's sort of some under underpinning dynamics to that. Sabana um, Reach um, did a uh, linked loan uh, with HSBC. We've seen a little bit of action. Uh, Actus Energy, I believe, is looking at packaging, uh, shipping transaction. Uh, was also done for Ballaria. I was going to say Ballerina then, but I'm pretty sure it's uh, Ballaria. Again, generally using IMO sort of metrics and benchmarking to that. Up on Ore was also a transaction uh, that was done. And this company looks at drinking water, uh, radiant heating and, and cooling and those sorts of things. Again, focusing on greenhouse emissions and some gas specific um, items there. Um, what else have we got? Construction company, Waits or W-A-T-E-S in the UK. They was one of the first construction companies to comply with science-based or, or get the science-based target initiative um, sign-off. Uh, they're also doing a transaction connected to that and to some scope three, which is really great to see construction companies being progressive in that regard. What else have we got here? We saw a, a deal in New Zealand for um, schools, um, New Zealand, which again is great to see some some linking around that, if I believe, or if not, if it wasn't a linked transaction, green and, and social elements there. Property, I think we've mentioned before. Reliance Rail in Australia did a pretty significant transaction with different types of certifications and energy efficiency and those type of things. Thai Union tapped um, a bit of a loan again. We actually worked with them last year on both their bonds, link bonds and link loans, and a little bit on the on the pure play, foresight, solar on the renewable side. So, yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a flavour. So a little bit of the mainstays still in in the market, and a couple of newer. Uh, more interesting ones that have come on. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Uh, we move on to our next segment, which is questions from our listeners. And listeners can write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. So, Nick, the first question we have from one of our listeners is uh, they want to understand what is the difference between SLL and SLP? Yeah, so I think in its fundamental form, without sounding facetious or without sounding silly, obviously the the SLLs on the link side for the loans. The LB is the linked bond side. Link loans have been around for, oh, jeepers, how long? Probably five years plus. Link bonds have been around for maybe two years plus. So the SLB link bond part is a newer, newer kid on the block, shall we, shall we say? In terms of differences, I, I, I think that the, the intent behind the question of the listener that wrote in on that one was really some of the structuring differences. So what you'll see is a loan. Generally, the pricing can go up, the margin up, or margin down. Um, on the bond side, we've seen generally the margin um, go up and not down, or an adjustment of principle at the end of the bond. The other thing is, in terms of structuring a loan, pretty much every every year there'll be an adjustment because the interest periods are a little bit more dynamic than a bond. Loans can be structured in many different ways, often uh, revolving. Um, or amortizing. So there's more common interest periods and more frequent adjustments and more frequent measurements. Um, on the bond side, they're less, less target-specific triggers. And probably the other main one is, to this point in time, ESG risk ratings, and we provide those as many others too. We like to, we're a bit biased. We think ours is, ours is pretty good. Can be linked to, connected to a, a loan transaction and continue to do that. We, we see that in the uh, we said it in the market. On the bond side, because it's a public instrument, often ESG risk ratings can't be used or connected to those bonds, maybe a private placement. So those are just a couple of 
probably the biggest differences we um, we see between the, the sustainability linked structuring elements of loans versus bonds. And I'm sure there's a few more. Thanks, Nick. That was uh, good insights on the structuring side and then also how SLLs can be tied to the rating. So our second question that we have from our listener is they would like to know if it is possible to have a combined framework for use of proceeds and unlinked instruments. Yes, that's a good question. Um, I, I think the simple answer is yes. A couple of years back, probably the simple answer would have been no. But with the the link loan principles, the link bond principles, the, there's a lot more market references and certainly a number of issuers are combining those. Um, it may not suit everybody because having linked elements in a framework, having use of proceeds element in a framework can make it A, pretty long, B, a bit more clunky to change and adapt over time, C, a bit more expensive to get an opinion connected to it, and, and D, really the maintenance cost of that, changing things, issuing out of, can be a little bit confusing and, can, and possibly be a little bit um, expensive to, to maintain that over time. But it's certainly possible. We've seen. Um, a handful of deals probably mid-2021 that came to market that were green uh, with the linked element. Vattenfall is the one that immediately springs to mind. So it's definitely possible. It's still not overly common, but those are a couple of considerations just to think about whether it's the right thing. Often we work with issuers that are in a bit of a hurry and the size of those frameworks can be bigger, more clunky, take, take a longer time to do. So you've got to sort of bear the practicalities in mind and what company wants to focus on. But definitely the answer is yes, but generally the practicalities outweigh that and it's still not overly common. But um, we can certainly entertain those type of requests as they become gradually more common in the market. That's all the questions. And I guess it's time for me to pepper you a little bit now, um, Aditi. So what about the green bond side of the of the market? What's um, What's jumped out on that side of things? Sure, yes, yeah, sure, Nick. So starting with sovereigns, and you were mentioning the theme on sovereigns earlier while doing the market roundup. So we are seeing more and more assurances connected to sovereigns. Um, we saw Philippines raised its uh, debut sustainability bond. Qatar is also planning to issue its green bond. Uh, there's still talks of India issuing its green bond, and we're really looking forward to that. Practically every day, there's a new news report, and I believe they're developing the framework that's underway. So quite interested to see how this goes um, and looking forward to the issuance as well. And then Singapore as well, where you are based, is planning its um, maiden green bond and a carbon tax hike. And then again, in APAC, Fiji is planning to tap the market again domestically. We also saw Canada with uh, planning to issue green bonds. And this was uh, an opinion that Sustainalytics worked on. So the SPO is published on our website and you can check that out. Another interesting one is Pakistan that's seeking financial advisors to launch global bonds. So it's really encouraging to see more and more South Asian issuers looking at or looking to issue in a green bond format. Uh, moving to the infrastructure. So there was uh, Qingdao Jiaozhu Bay Development Group in China that issued a green bond. There was also Hubei United Development Investment Group, again in China, that's issued green bonds. So that's within infra. Then we look at uh, maybe banks and financial institutions. So within banking, we saw Deutsche Bank issued a green bond. Uh, there was a supranational issuance by IRDB that issued a sustainability bond. 
couple of other banks that issued like BOC. Um, I think it's their third bond visit in February. And then China Construction Bank did a green bond issuance as well. Within the NBFIs, there was pepper money that is reading for the green bond push. Um, this is an Australian consumer lender. They've published their framework. The second party opinion was provided by Sustainalytics and it's published on our website. Uh, there's also PSP Investments in Canada. So this is a Canadian pension investment manager that has um, raised $1 billion Canadian dollar from its debut green bond. Then there was an issuance from the insurance sector as well. This was uh, PE Today Healthcare that issued green bonds. Moving on, property. Again, property is a hot sector. We see a lot of issuances and uh, there was a bumper crop of um, issuances this month as well. So we saw Lancy Green, there was Alexandria Real Estate in the US, Prologis that issued green bonds. Um, there was Tag Immobilian that is also uh, pushing for green finance. And then Housing New Zealand also raised a sustainability bond. Uh, looking at some of the other sectors, Moving away from some of the usual suspects, uh, securitization, another theme that you were mentioning earlier, where we're seeing a lot of um, issuances. So Plenty, which is an Australian consumer lender group, they've issued in a green, a green format for their uh, asset-backed securities. So we are seeing more securitized transactions. And Sustainalytics can actually work on a lot of the pre-issuance like letters connected to um, securitized instruments as well. A good example to see is one that we did for Mosaic Solar. So we can definitely support these type of instruments as well. Uh, moving on to utilities, there was a couple of issuances there from uh, New York Power Authority. Then there was a New Jersey utility that debuted with its green bond and one from Mizun Electricity as well. Renewables, again, another hot sector, lots of issuances, an action-packed month. There was um, Axiona Green. There was Green Co. in India that again went to market. We've seen Green Co. tapping this market regularly. So another issuance this month. There was also another Indian firm that raised a domestic green bond, Avada Energy. Um, so very, again, interesting to see a lot of Indian renewable firms tap the domestic green bond market. What else? Yeah, there was another one by Iberdola. So this was, again, um, issued in a green bond format, a 1 billion euro bond issuance. So moving on to some other issuances we saw from other sectors, uh, an interesting one to highlight is um, the Super Sewer in London. Uh, this is a tideway construction company or project in London that has issued a green bond for sustainable water management. There was one issuance from the shipping sector. This was Hyundai Shipyard in Korea. Telco, we saw a couple of issuances from Verizon and uh, Chunghua, which is a Taiwanese uh, telecom firm. Uh, we saw an issuance from a semiconductor player. This was Vanguard International, a university. This was the University of Tasmania that issued in green bond format. And then Amgen Pharma, which you mentioned earlier. Other sectors that also issued in green bond format, uh, there was ADM in the agricultural sector. This is a U.S. food firm that issued a green bond. Auto, we see a lot of uh, few issuances come up every month from the auto sector as there's a push more towards electric vehicles. So this time it's Honda that has issued a green bond uh, and is, is pushing towards EVs. And a couple of Chinese firms are also contemplating some ABS deals in green bond formats, which is encouraging to see. And then there was one issuance from the chemical sector as well. This was all tech chemicals that um, issued in a green bond format. 
So that rounds up the green bond format or the issuances we've seen connected to this. Wow. That's a pretty incredible list and really heartening to see that we, we talk a lot about diversification in terms of geography, in terms of instrument, in terms of sector. So we're really seeing further diversification across all of those, which just drives further deepening of these markets and, and more liquidity and more activity, which is really, really good to see. So what about on the green loan side? Um, Aditi, usual suspects or any anything, any new pepper and spice on the green <laughs> loan side that we've uh, that we've seen? Yeah, a couple of usual suspects. So real estate, there was the REIT lender, Keisha Bank, that uh, extended a green loan to a German borrower, Heinz. And then there were a few transactions we saw in the rail sector connected to railways as well. A little bit different, there was one a sovereign green loan connected to railways. This was Turkey that signed a green loan to finance construction of a high-speed railway line. And then a Swiss firm as well, MFT Rail, which secured a green loan to finance uh, shipping containers or rail cars. But probably one good transaction to highlight on the green loan side is on the lithium battery makers. So this is a CNGR uh, that makes lithium batteries. Um, they debuted in the green loan market and managed to raise a $200 million green loan connected to renewable energy, pollution prevention, clean transportation, etc. So those were some of the, the highlights on the green loan side. Wow, good to see some, um, some some newer newer suspects coming into the market. Um, and what about the social bond side, Aditi? I guess we talked a little bit about that in the opening, maybe yeah. not as huge boom factor that we've seen in the last couple of years and often social getting incorporated into um, sustainability sort of more general frameworks. But as a as purely social, have we seen, seen any activity over the last month really calling out just social? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, there was one by um, a Japanese firm, Marui, that published its social bond framework, and this is connected to microfinance. Sustainalytics provided the second party opinion for this issuer. It's published on our website. Um, there was one connected to the healthcare sector as well, which was BBVA. And then India, I mean, lots of potential. We've talked about it earlier in previous podcasts. There's lots of potential on the uh, SME lending side, affordable housing side. So we are seeing more and more issuances in India connected to this sector as well. So there was um, Avas financiers that um, raised a social bond connected to SME lending with gender focus, so the theme that you were mentioning earlier. And then in Australia, we saw the National Housing Finance and Investment Corporation, or NIFIC, as we call it for short, that also went to market and issued a social bond for affordable housing. And then there was uh, one in, I think it was an Irish um, issuer, AIB. This is the Allied Irish Bank. They've raised 1 billion euros, which is their maiden social bond. And the use of proceeds are connected to employment generation, SME financing, microfinance, affordable housing, and access to essential services. Okay, very, uh, very good. Thanks for the roundup on that. And I guess that continues the theme, Aditi, of some banks calling out specifically just social types of, uh, of loans and parts of their book that they're doing. And again, common microfinance, SME lending, gender themes, affordable housing seems to be the mainstay on that social side. But we really look forward, in addition to social use of proceeds, there's social KPIs coming into the market um, more and more. So uh, definitely watch this space. In terms of the last couple of sections, Aditi, I might just jump in, being conscious of time. 
and just mention a couple of things around labelled products, transition, and then um, finish off a little on regulations and countries and geographic sort of things. Um, yeah. In terms of labelled products, probably nothing really new that we haven't seen. Um, a little bit of ongoing interest in BVVA talking about labelling guarantees, which is a bit problematic in terms of green, but in terms of enabling green or being linked and being incorporated into different types of trade structures, maybe letters of credit, there's, um, there's a growing part of the market really exploring and pe peeling off some layers there. ESG repos, we've seen them done in Australia and many other markets. Indonesia actually did a, um, an ESG repo with, uh, with Bank Mandiri um, doing the first one there as a different type of funding instrument that, that can fund on balance sheet um, green assets. Um, and DBS India looking at the green deposit program. Um, again, Sukuk um, or Sukuk's being an Islamic-based finance way to do, uh, to do bonds. It fits generally very well with the green sort of theme. We saw a couple of articles talking about that for Malaysia, talking about that for the Middle East. It'd be interesting to see if that sort of format has a slightly different type of label takes off. In terms of transition, nothing incredibly specific on that this month. But again, like what I mentioned before, just transition, check out that World Benchmarking Alliance paper. Really, really good thing to read and see how they sort of frame how a company should be looking at just transition. It's a big issue. It's a people issue. It's a difficult one. Also, we'll probably focus on this more in the next podcast, but um, the CBI keep coming out with criteria on, on hard-to-abate sectors, at least public consultation at the moment. Their cement one was a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, um, and then the chemicals one came out right at the start of April. So definitely that's worth checking out. And really interesting how they classify some things as automatic, some things as threshold, some things as whole of plant, some things on an average basis. Really, really good thinking to, to work through and hopefully that supports more of these type of sectors come to market, more reference points make it easier for companies to navigate, make it um, give people more confidence um, in terms of what they're doing. So that'll be on those couple of things. And then really to finish off, um, a couple of things around regulations. We talked before about some of the action in the, in the EU and the social taxonomy work. Probably on the other side of the pond, so to speak, trying to use some trendy Europe, US language there is what the SEC is doing. So they've come out with a kind of a draft. I think it's still under for public uh, consultation, the direction of what they would like to do in terms of having companies disclose scope one, two, and three risks around business models, around outlook, around transition impacts, around financial impacts, business impacts. So really, really good to see such a, a significant regulator being a bit more progressive. Um, on what they want to set as, you know, baseline sort of reporting in such an important market. So that's a, that's a game changer. So that, that's, a, that's definitely a watch this space. Um, and we're always talking about the EU. So very nice and very comforting to see, oh, it's not only EU that's getting serious and serious and more serious about this. It's over the other side in the US, which is, as we know, a massive, massive, massive market. What else have we got here? Um, a little bit more... Speaking of the EU, there was a paper done over the month looking at ways to extend the EU taxonomy from a transitions perspective. So do check that one out. I read it, had to read it a couple of times to work out some of the intent of that. But the EU platform for sustainable finance, they've got lots of cool stuff going up there, lots of different things they're thinking of. So that's a really key resource. So check, um, check that out. Then there's a mixture of articles, NGX Nigeria setting up a 
listing requirements for green bonds there. Asia still growing across the different types of markets. Um, Hong Kong looking at doing more retail-based green bonds. Um, Ghana setting up some green exchanges. China continuing to to work on their way to um, to net zero. Um, what else have we got in India, as you mentioned before, Didi, with the sovereign being more vocal about their intentions, the market growing, the market diversifying. Um, and then also a little bit more on Australia's journey towards net zero and what that will require and what that will need. So, again, a little bit biased, we have to declare on the, the Asian side where myself and Aditi are based, but it really reflects what's going on you know, across the world. There's some significant regulation um, raising of the bar. There's a lot happening at stock exchanges across different parts of the world. And then there's geographic pockets that are becoming really, really hot, such as such as India. We talked about Fiji, we talked about Singapore and all these areas continuing to do more and more. And we just see article after article after article about picking up different thematics uh, for those markets, which are, which are really good. Last but not least, I guess, as part of that too, the 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 growing groundswell to regulate ESG providers, ratings providers such as us, which we welcome. Scrutiny in the market is good. Regulation, you know, can be positive. It's constructed the right way, but should be good um, in terms of applying more scrutiny onto what we do and what everyone does in the in the market. So watch that space as well. So I'm nearly out of breath, Aditi, for another month, and that hopefully concludes a bit of a complete uh, roundup as best we can put that forward. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. You can also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter uh, at Sustainalytics as our handle on Twitter and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.